Chapter 107 The Carpenter Seat thyself sultanically among the moons of Saturn, and take high abstracted man alone. And he seems a wonder, a grandeur, and a woe. But from the same point, take mankind in mass, and for the most part they seem a mob of unnecessary duplicates, both contemporary and hereditary. But most humble though he was, and far from furnishing an example of the high humane abstraction, the Pequod's carpenter was no duplicate. Hence, he now comes in person on this stage. Now, like all seagoing ship carpenters, and more especially those belonging to whaling vessels, he was to a certain off-handed practical extent alike experienced in numerous trades and callings collateral to his own, and the carpenter's pursuit being the ancient and, and out-branching trunk of all those numerous handicrafts, which uh, more or less have to do with wood as an auxiliary material. But besides the application to him of a generic remark above, this carpenter of the Pequod was singularly efficient in those thousand nameless mechanical emergencies continually recurring in, in a large ship upon a three or four years' voyage in some uncivilized and far-distant seas. For, uh, not to speak of his readiness in ordinary duties, repairing stove boats, sprung spars, reforming the shape of clumsily bladed oars, um, inserting bullseyes in the deck, or new tree nails in the side planks, and other miscellaneous matters more directly pertaining to his special business, he was moreover unhesitatingly expert in all manner of conflicting aptitudes, both useful and uh, capricious. The one grand stage where he enacted all his various parts, so manifold, was his vice bench, a long, rude, ponderous table furnished with several vices of different sizes, and both of iron and of wood. At all times, except when whales were alongside, this bench was securely lashed athwart ship against the rear of the triworks. A belaying pin is uh, found, let's say, too large to be easily inverted into its hole. The carpenter claps it into one of his ever-ready vices and straightway files it smaller. Well, a lost land bird of strange plumage strays on board, is made a captive. Out of clean-shaved rods of right whale bone and cross beams of sperm whale ivory, the carpenter makes a pagoda-looking cage for it. An oarsman sprains his wrist. The carpenter concocts a soothing lotion. Stub longed for vermilion stars to be painted upon the blade of his every oar. Well, screwing each oar in his big vice of wood, the carpenter symmetrically supplies the constellation. A sailor takes a fancy to uh, wear shark bone earrings. The carpenter drills his ears. Another has a toothache. The carpenter out pincers and clapping one hand upon his bench, bids him be seated there, but the poor fellow unmanageably winces under the unconcluded operation. Whirling around the handle of the wooden vice, the carpenter signs him to clap his jaw on that if he'd have him draw the tooth. <laughs> Thus, this carpenter was prepared at all points, and uh, alike indifferent and without respect in all. Teeth, he, he, he counted bits of ivory. Heads, he deemed but top blocks. Men themselves, he lightly held for capstans. But while now, uh, upon so wide a field, thus variously accomplished, and with such liveliness of expertness in him, too, all this would seem to argue some uncommon vivacity of intelligence. But not precisely so. For uh, nothing was this man more remarkable than for a certain uh, impersonal stolidity, as it were. Impersonal, I say, for it, it so shaded off into the surrounding infinite of things that seemed one with the general stolidity discernible in the whole visible world. 
which while pauselessly active in uncounted mode, still eternally holds its peace and ignores you, though you dig foundations for cathedrals. Yet it was this, this half-horrible stolidity in him involving, too, as it appeared, in all ramifying heartlessness, yet was it oddly dashed at times with an old crutch-like antediluvian wheezing humorousness, not unstreaked now and then with a certain grizzled wittiness, wittiness such as might have served to pass the time during the, <laughs> the midnight watch on the bearded forecastle of Noah's Ark. Was it that this old carpenter had been a lifelong wanderer, whose much rolling to and fro had not only gathered no moss, but was more had rubbed off whatever small <laughs> outward clingings might have originally pertained to him? He was a stripped abstract, an unfractioned integral, uncompromised as a newborn babe, living without premeditated reference to this world or the next. You might almost say that this this strange uncompromisedness in him involved a sort of unintelligence. For in his numerous trades, he he did not seem to work so much by reason or by, or by instinct, or simply because he'd been tutored to it, or by any intermixture of all these, even or uneven, but by merely a, a, a kind of deaf and dumb, spontaneous, literal process. He was a pure manipulator. Uh, his brain, if you ever had one, must have early oozed along into the muscles of his fingers. He was like one of those unreasoning but still highly useful multum in parvo, Sheffield contrivances, assuming the exterior, though a little swelled, of a common pocket knife, but containing not only blades of various sizes, but also screwdrivers, corkscrews, tweezers, awls, pens, rulers, nail filers, countersinkers. So if his superiors wanted to use the carpenter for a screwdriver, all they had to do was just open that part of him, and that screw was fast, or if uh, tweezers, take him up by the legs, and there they were. Yet, as previously hinted, this omnitool, open-and-shut carpenter was, after all, no mere machine of an automaton. If he did not have a common soul in him, he had a, a subtle something that, that somehow anomalously did its duty. What that was, whether essence of quicksilver or a few drops of hartshorn, there's no telling, but there it was. And there it had abided for some, now some 60 years or more. And this it was, this same unaccountable, cunning life principle in him. This it was that kept him a great part of the time soliloquizing. But only like some, an, un an unreasoning wheel, which also hummingly soliloquizes. Or uh, rather his body was a sentry box and this soliloquizer on guard there and talking all the time to keep himself awake.